Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the show for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Gary Vaynerchuk and Sean McBride, and we're going to talk about Snapchat and what marketers need to know. And I just want to kind of give you a heads up that Gary is extremely bullish on Snapchat. And if you're like, what the heck is Snapchat? And why in the world do I need to think about yet another social network? I really think you ought to listen to this episode. Sean McBride is the leading um, celebrity on Snapchat, and he talks about how he does, what he does, along with Gary's thoughts. And it is really a spectacular show that I know you're going to love. Now, with that, I'd like to share our latest discovery with you. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher, and he's got a brand new find. Eric, tell us all about it. This is an awesome find. It's a free iPhone app called Taylor. That's T-A-I-L-O-R, just in case you might have gotten that confused with Taylor Swift's first name. Anyway, this is an automatic screenshot stitching app. So in other words, once in a while, you know, we always, we always want to take uh, a screenshot on our phone and share that, but maybe we want to film fit more into that screenshot. Well, this allows you to take multiple screenshots upload them all into this app, and it will stitch them together into one large image. So, for example, if you're on a, a web page and you can't fit all of the page into your screen, what I hear you saying is you can scroll down and take a couple different shots and then open up this app, pull in those things, and it'll sew them into one big image? Exactly. And then, and then you can go ahead and email me and say, hey, check out this awesome design on this website or whatever. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's it's handy for, you know, podcast show notes, blog posts, uh, let's see, social, well, duh, social media posts like Facebook and Twitter. So, Very or cool. even those really tall images for Pinterest. Very cool. So rather than, um, rather than um, maybe when you're on a mobile site that's not mobile friendly and you have to zoom and pinch and all that kind of stuff you could yeah. you could essentially bring it up to full resolution and start taking a bunch of shots now do you know if it only works from kind of the top down or does it work uh, left and right and up and down yeah it'll work if you tilt your phone and you do it uh, landscape and then go that way you get the wider larger image and you can just do a lot more screenshots but it'll it'll still work huh that's really cool. And it's just for screenshots, right? It doesn't do that with photographs. You know, I suspect it might work because it's doing that stitching thing where it's just looking to see what's similar. So if the photos are 
consecutive and really, you know, like a panorama type of a thing where it'll stitch them together, it could work. I haven't, I didn't actually try that, but it might work. Well, I'm going to go ahead and throw out another one, which I've been meaning to talk about called Tiny Scan Pro. And I've never used it, but I've heard people talk about it. And basically what it does is it allows you to take a photograph of, let's say, a piece of paper. And essentially, it turns it into a scan. So what it'll do, you know how when you, you know how if you ever have to take a, you don't have a scanner nearby, but you need to, you know, maybe sign something like a tax form, and then you need to somehow email it over to someone. Right. Well, this will allow you to take a picture, and you know when you do that, it's typically at funky angles and stuff. And what Tiny Scan Pro does is it figures out all the angles, squares the whole thing out, and makes it look like a scan. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's really cool. Like it, it changes the, uh, what do they call that on a projector? The keystone. Exactly. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that it actually sews together as well. So maybe with a combination of TinyScan Pro, which I think is a couple bucks, but I've heard people rave about it, especially those that don't have fax machines, you know, that want to scan in something or, or fax something or email something. That combined with Taylor, uh, it sounds like you can do some really cool stuff. Now, again, tell people um, how to find that app. Yeah, Taylor, you can find at, let's see, trytaylor.com. It's free, but there's a $2.99 in-app purchase to remove ads, but I didn't find any, you know, obtrusive ads. And that's T-A-I-L-O-R? Yes. Perfect. Eric, thank you so much. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. With that, let's transition over to today's interview with Gary Vaynerchuk and Sean McBride. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined by two people today. First of all, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Gary is the CEO of VaynerMedia, the host of the Ask Gary V Show, and the author of Jab, 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 Right Hook. How you doing, Gary? Super well, brother. How are you? Awesome. I'm also joined by Sean McBride, also known as Sean Duris. He's a celebrity on Snapchat. He's also an artist. He's one of Snapchat's power users and has represented brands like Disney and Taco Bell on Snapchat. Sean, welcome to the show. Awesome. Happy to be here. So today we're going to talk about Snapchat. And Gary, this first question is for you. Um, Snapchat for marketers. Tell me a little bit about why, because I know that I don't know a lot about it as a 46-year-old guy, and I bet you a lot of marketers probably don't have any clue what the potential is with Snapchat. So what's your thoughts on it? First of all, you're 46. You look phenomenal. 
Uh, <laughs> whatever, dude. I'm super pissed right now. I'm 39. I look like at least three to six years older than you. I'm really not happy. You throw me for a loop. I'm not sure I can give my best content on this show. So I'm forewarning you. Um, you know, why? Because the only thing I give a crap about and what I think has been a backbone of my success and when I look outside the world, um, other people's success has is predicated on what I call the attention graph. Where are people paying attention, right? Look what we're doing right now. Michael, you and I would never be doing podcasting if this shift in the last 36 months, 24 months, whatever you want to call it, we had a dormant five to seven years of podcasting, but now people are really paying attention, whether it's Serial or all these business podcasts. And now we're, we're, we're jamming there more because people are paying attention. If you want to reach a 15 to 25-year-old in America and you don't realize that Snapchat has a disproportionate amount of the attention as a platform of that consumer, well, then you're just not paying attention. And then when you're lucky enough to find creatives like Shonduras who actually know how to communicate, which is take a picture, draw on top of it, or a lot of other viral kind of concepts uh, or 10-second videos, well, then that's the part that we have to figure out as marketers. But at the top line level, it's the re- why? 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 Because if you're trying to sell to 15 to 25 in America, they're there, they're giving their time and energy there. Most brands haven't ruined it yet and the grounds are very fertile. Sean, what are your thoughts? What's the benefit to marketers when it comes to Snapchat? Uh, when it comes to Snapchat, um, a lot of people don't understand right away. They think it's disappearing content so it's not valuable. But what's happening is you have their attention 100% for those 10 seconds or however long it is. So they are completely absorbing your content for that time, which is invaluable, where if you're looking on many other platforms, they're scrolling past quickly, and even though it will be there forever, they'll never see it again. So you're just grasping a second, 50% of their attention at a time, and then they never look back. Snapchat, they can't look back, but you have 100% of their time, and they're not going to take their eyes off till it disappears. Sean, for those of us that don't use Snapchat, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't use it, kind of tell us what's the user experience like? Right. So Snapchat, you can send pictures or videos. They go out for a certain amount of seconds, between one second to 10 seconds is the max. And the consumer then absorbs that content for the specified amount of time, and then this is off the screen, and you never get it. And what you can do is screenshot it, which is a basic phone feature. So you can screenshot a, a frame of a movie or you can screenshot the picture and keep that. And what happens is so many people get attached to the image knowing that it won't be there ever again. So they'll screenshot it and they kind of repost it. And that's where the effectiveness comes into play where it starts to go viral. Gary, why do you think this um, younger population, this 15 to 24-year-old population you were talking about is... is um, gravitating to Snapchat over something as simple as an instant message or any of the other kinds of communication mechanisms that are out there? Because at the time that it went viral, it was the version of locking their door in their room and not letting their parents in. We've been doing it since then, right? It's the, it's the current version of getting your own telephone line in the 80s like I grew up in when girls wanted that, right? right. Um, and so in a world where Facebook was in a place where the parents had inundated the platform um, and it and on top of what Instagram offered them a different safe haven for a little while, not anymore because that's changed, but what Snapchat did is not only created a safe haven that their parents didn't know about, but the content itself disappeared. The holy grail for teenagers. 
elaborate a little bit about what you said about Instagram there, because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what you meant by that. Uh, you're so in tune. I did sleep, slip that in for the people that are paying attention a little bit more. Instagram, at the time when Snapchat started exploding 30 months ago, 36 months ago, was also another social network people's parents weren't on. But the data that I'm looking at and the behavior I'm looking at and the engagement I'm looking at right now, and just anecdotally using my gut, which I've done a lot, and then also being a 500 person social media agency with Vayner, seeing a lot of different brands play there. We've seen the brands and more importantly, the parents um, now use Instagram at scale. And uh, over time that will corrode the kind of thing that has always mattered, which is no high school kid or college kid wants to party at the same place their parents are and they will always escape the rooms they get into. What, what Snapchat has is it doesn't work in that way. Um, and again, the thing that matters, privacy with the disappearing effect has enormous value. Awesome. Sean, I know that you've been doing some really um, creative stuff with Snapchat. Maybe you could share an example of what you've been doing just so people can understand from your perspective. Right, right. And and as I answer that question for you, I want to tack on to what Gary just said. He's 100% correct. And the other little caveat that goes there is the personalization of Snapchat. So what mm-hmm. happens is it goes directly to that person. It's not like Instagram or two. You can comment on a piece of content that was already created. You're just a commenter and what if they see it? Receiving a Snapchat or opening a Snapchat is almost as if you were getting a text from that person or that brand or that company. It's very personal. Um, So what I've done to effectively use my Snapchat is take that personalization and make it as big as possible. I get my fans involved. I get them engaged and they're my friends and we do projects together. So I made a, an example is I made a giraffe snap park. So play off Jurassic park. And I told everyone to make this giraffe snap park full of all my friends. And I invited them all to take a picture of themselves, a selfie, draw it into a dinosaur and then send it to me. And then when they sent that snap to me, I would screenshot it. And then I reposted all their snaps of them as dinosaurs for the world to see. And so they felt very involved and very cool that other people were seeing their snaps. And it was like a group project rather than something I did and they were able to comment on. Does that make sense? Yeah, and by the way, go go ahead, Gary. Yeah, go ahead. I just got pumped. You know, for, you know, knowing who your audience, your podcast is, uh, I'm flattered but that I assume 10, 20, 30% of the audience knows who I am. What when Shanduras was just talking about is perfect thank you economy execution. It's one-on-one at scale, right? Like it's putting in the work one-on-one. As Shanduras knows and anybody who does marketing, Snapchat came out with stories which became one-to-many but started off as only the execution he just talked about, that was the only way you could engage with people. And so it still has DNA in that one-to-one game. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was a little confused. Um, maybe you can elaborate on what is a story. And by the way, Sean Duris, you might want to get near um, somewhere. Where maybe you can uh, get your, I called you Sean Duris. Sean, uh, get a little maybe closer to a window just because your, uh, your network was breaking up a little bit there, if, if it's at all possible. But like, Gary, maybe you can just comment on this. W- tell me about the story side of this versus the private side of it. So there is a public side to, the, to, uh, to Snapchat then. Yeah, our story, you know, you know, allows you to, you know, really put out the ability to hit everybody who's following you or following your stories instead of the one-to-one. So think of it as like tweeting it out versus 
putting a at reply to somebody on Twitter. So it creates a different context, but the difference with an at reply with Twitter is it's still public if you decide to look at somebody's profile. On Snapchat, it is a direct message, you know, an I, an instant message, a text in the one-to-one communication. The other thing is creative people like Shanduras, and I do call him Shanduras because he's <laughs> the magic that way to me. Um, you know, they're thinking their stories in a linear sense, meaning they're putting out seven, eight, 10, 15 videos and pictures to tell a collective 150 second story instead of just one 10 second story. So depending on how you want to communicate, the platform allows you to kind of tell a long narrative about your entire night at the Super Bowl or your Super Bowl weekend, or you could go ad hoc one piece at a time and it speaks about your week. It has enormous creative potential if you understand the context. Sean, feel free to jump in if you, want to, if you have anything to add there. Yeah, no, the, the, the My Story feature is what really made that possible. So even though it is a story that everyone can see, they still have that personalized feel of a text message just because it is a Snapchat. And then when I reposted their snaps to my story, which is something I do often, I'm adding value to our friendship. Like I'm helping them get noticed. Everyone wants to feel noticed and important. Mm -hmm. And so every time I do something, my fans engage and interact with me because they know I'm going to be giving credit to certain people and reposting them. So there's always that fun interaction because there's that payout at the end. Very cool. And Michael, for a lot of the marketers that are sitting here, look what he's doing. He's creating himself as a platform. And the truth is, people do want the recognition. But what, what Shanduras will tell you, and he knows this because it happened with him with Jerome Jar, what a lot of the reasons people are engaging with him is he's giving back. And by giving back, there's one of two things happening. One, people get that acknowledgement from somebody they deem famous, and many teenagers in America now deem Sean that way. Number two, there's a lot of people that are trying to build their own profiles and they're doing a very selfish act by engaging with Sean Duras because their hope is that he creates awareness for them so that they can start building an audience. So there's a lot of psychological you know, kind of things going on in social and people and social equity and awareness and platforms as people that a lot of marketers here, and I know that's who's listening, need to understand the deep philosophical aspects of what he's talking about. Well, it kind of sounds to me a little bit like influencer marketing from a marketer's perspective, right? I mean, there's obviously a bunch of influencers like you, Sean, that already have established relatively large audiences on Snapchat and brands are wanting to work with you, right? But at the same time, I guess, um, can a brand establish their own presence on Snapchat? Do either one of you know of any brands doing that or do they tend to work with the people like you, Sean? Um, If they do it correctly, they can establish that. But the big part is the if. There's so many (laughs) brands that are going out there with a playbook and a play-to-play and here's our cards and we're going to post them at this time. And it's not that way. Snapchat is on the fly. It's behind the scenes. It's fun. And so it's very hard to capture that for a brand. Um, one example of a brand that I've seen that's done it really well, um, they worked with me, it was Disney, and they sent me out to Disneyland and Disney World, and I explored the parks, and I brought my friends along with me, and I showed them my favorite parts of the park, and it was an adventure that we did together, and within that adventure, I did interactions where I said, where should I go next? And they snapped me, and I would post their responses, and then in return, go to those places. It was an interaction, but an interactive adventure between both of us. So, 
that's how the brand did do it right. And now they continue to do little adventures even without me and people still follow along. And then what I've noticed is people have started having their own adventures at Disney World or Disney. If any of my friends ever go there or fans, they will snap me their entire Disneyland or Disney World adventure uh, similar to I did to them. So it's kind of becoming a thing. Very interesting. And I, 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 would, I would say to that, Michael, I think, you know, from my perspective, it takes the brand manager, right? So Farah, uh, who runs Sour Patch Kids, she, she enables the, the artist that she works with, like a Shundaris, to do their thing. They don't micromanage it. And then the creative we're doing for them on Vayner, again, they're not micromanaging it. They're trusting the expertise. And, and Shundaris, I, I would ask your perspective here. I mean, it's so easy for us, me, and then you, uh, like you get your two cents of this, to sniff out good execution versus bad execution. You could always tell when somebody gets it when they don't because it's literally like a guy wearing a suit coming into a huge, hot EDM concert. It just feels that out of place. Yeah, Snapchat is definitely um, a very, very specific platform. Um, unlike other platforms where you can post anything and see how it flies, Snap. Uh, is very organic and personable. Brands haven't taken it over yet, and the viewers are not using anything but fun adventure behind the scenes on the platform. So if you give them anything branded or high-end or Photoshopped, it's instantly rejected. Well, well, I, I would say this real quick, though, Michael. It was fun to hear me have Sean give that answer because, as you know, Michael, and a lot of listeners know, that was exactly what Twitter 2006 and YouTube 2006 and, and Facebook 2004 you know, and Tumblr 2007, they all go through this. And so marketers will ruin Snapchat, too. Interesting. Well, I, I want to get into the culture of, of the Snapchat users a little bit. And, Sean, I'd love your thoughts on this. Um, it sounds like it's very personal. Um, and it sounds like what we've been talking about is kind of like, hey, you need to know what the culture is like and what, what the users are like and what they expect. Can you talk a little bit about this? I mean, we're dealing with young kids here who have probably pretty strong reactions to negative things, right? Or the wrong kinds of things. Tell us about what it's like for users culturally, so to speak, on the network. Right. I mean, I think the biggest thing within that is that I'm their friend and they like fun they like adventure and they like to be out of the day to day. So my whole outlook on the platform is I'm helping them have a, a good interactive experience every single day. Within that, I try and stay away from doing too much of like, here's my food. Here's what I'm eating. Look how cute my dog is. I focus more on, well, I, I do post quite a bit about my dog actually, but I try to, I try and do really um, adventurous, fun things that they're going to enjoy as they're watching it and feel behind the scenes in my life kind of thing. Tell me about your audience. What do you know about them? I mean, is there like, do you know how big they are or anything? Can you share a little bit about what you've been able to build with your personal brand? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting on Snapchat, the only thing you can see is how many people view your stories. You don't know how many friends you actually have on the platform. Huh. Um, that's something you'd have to dig a little bit deeper within Snapchat, but you can see how many eyeballs are on your story. And within that, how many of those people took a screenshot of your story and further. So let me explain it a little bit deeper. As you post your story, say I made a story about going to the store and picking up some cereal because I love cereal. I would post that I'm going there. Then I'd post a new Snapchat that I got there. Another one saying what cereal I should pick. And then maybe I would put three different boxes of cereal. I'd take three different pictures and say screenshot which cereal I should get. And then I would show another Snapchat of me checking out. Now I have six to seven different Snapchats 
and um, I can use the information I gain from those to learn and make better Snapchat stories. So the information I would gather, I would see how many total people viewed it. Hundreds of thousands of eyeballs saw this story. And then I'd see what the fallout ratio is. You know, if 200,000 people watched the very first Snapchat, and by the time we got to the end and I checked out with my cereal, if I only had 150,000 eyeballs, I just lost a lot of viewers. The story was interesting. They didn't like it. Um, you know, I had 25% fallout. That wouldn't be good. Whereas if I got to the end and I still had 195,000 eyeballs, then I know the story was fun, engaging. Occasionally people will stop watching, but that just happens. Um, huh. And then the final unit of engagement would be screenshots. So you could see which snaps got screenshotted the most. Was it a video? Was it a picture? Was it when I'm yelling with tons of energy in selfie mode? Or was it when I was showing a beautiful view of the supermarket, you know? And you can see how they react and what your specific demographic wants to see. Wow, that's really cool. Gary, do you have any thoughts so on where Snapchat is yeah. in the grand scheme of things demographically, by the way? Like how big that audience is? Is it humongous? Do you know, have you heard any data on that? No, I, you know, I haven't seen the numbers, but if, if Instagram's 300, I, I've got to think that Snapchat, you know, is over 100. I haven't looked at their user numbers and maybe that's out there and maybe the listeners who are- Your guess are is 100 million users. I, I would say at least. Yeah. Um, now, now, what I'm really interested in is go, taking a step back because I know your audience, Michael, and I really want everybody to understand what they just listened to on Sean Doris. You just listened to a practitioner not a consultant, right? Did you, Michael, I'm sure you caught this too. He just talked about that as somebody who actually uses the product day in and day out. So he doesn't need reporting or big data to guide him. He's actually creating and adjusting on the fly very much like you and I and many other early people on other platforms. When you're that native to the platform, you don't need the reporting or some article to tell you where it's going. You're tasting it in real life. And I implore, I, look, I'm running a 500 person agency that does this now and I'm still the best person at social media at VaynerMedia and they all know it because I'm the deepest in practitioner mode on Pinterest and Vine and, and Instagram and Snapchat and Yik Yak. Like you've gotta be the mechanic. You can't just be the person giving the advice in the manual. Very cool. Sean, for somebody that wants to try to learn from you, you know, they want to be the next Sean Duras. <laughs> Maybe not directly in the categories that you're in, but what would you recommend to them? Where do they get started? Um, I mean, <laughs> before they make an account and really go after it, it might be nice to watch some of their favorite personalities, pick out brands that are similar to their brand, or you know, they could follow me on Snapchat and see how I engage with my audience and what I do. And then they could kind of put that into perspective for what their demographic is, what their goals are, and then really just go for it. The fun thing about Snapchat is that if you're genuine and just having fun on the platform, it's probably going to be pretty successful. You just got to, it's not a, you don't get a direct return of investment. It's not X amount of posts mean X amount of dollars mean X amount of sales. It's just you have fun behind the scenes and in return, your consumers will be happy and you're creating a better experience. It's almost like customer service, not advertising. It's a very interesting app. Now, is there some sort of uh, way to publicly discover you on the app? Like, I mean, there must, or are people just randomly telling all their friends, you got to check out this Sean Duras dude? 
And that is the most interesting part. There's no discover. There's no uh, share a friend or uh, re-snap something to share with your friends. Every single person who has found me, which is incredible, and again, with that personalization, they found me because their friend said, this guy is amazing. He loves life. You got to follow him. And so they'll add me on their Snapchat. And I would say most people that have me added on their Snapchat they aren't following all these celebrities. They're just following their best friends and Chandra. So like I become a best friend for him and it's very personal. Wow. Gary, you were going to add I something. Think, Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, Mike. Well, I think it's super important because I don't think we painted enough context here. Chandra's is a very talented artist. He takes pictures and then draws, Snapchat draws on top of it and creates art that, I mean, it's incredible to me that I'd be willing to buy a $1,000 even maybe a $5,000 Shondoris lithograph of like the art quality that he puts out. So like, look, I know what he's doing. I've been watching for a long time. You know, my business partner, Jerome Jar is one of the early kind of discoverers of Shondoris. He can tell you that story. Like, I know exactly what he does, but I don't have the talent to draw at that level. So I have to find my version. Uh, you know, for example, I'm starting... I thought with tomorrow's episode, I announced on today's show that I taped earlier that I'm gonna be answering three more questions on Snapchat of the Ask Gary V show and on Snapchat stories. So I think it's important for everybody to, yes, look at what Shandoris does and if you're creative enough that you can roll like that, I, I highly recommend the ability to draw on top of pictures on Snapchat because boy, does it work. But there's a lot of us, call it 96% that are listening right now that have to find our version of storytelling, but the concept of disappearing content works because let's call it this, guys. Here's a real big headline that I'm trying to push through to my team and everybody in the world. Snapchat is the closest thing to the way that we actually communicate in the world, right? I mean, Michael, you and I have a phone call a couple months ago. All that content is long gone and disappeared, isn't it? It's true, it's just in our brains. That's right, so I think that people need to recognize that Snapchat ironically is the closest to the actual way that we communicate as human beings one-on-one, -on -one, most similar to a telephone or a one-on-one -on -one conversation, something that a lot of people are romantic about and I think people should, uh, should understand that. Uh, Sean, let's, let's key in on what Gary's talking about here on your drawings. I've seen some of your drawings and it's really, really cool what you do. Um, do try to explain maybe one of them. Like, does the platform itself allow you to take your finger and draw on top of the picture, or is this something you're doing kind of creatively on your own? Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, I actually do everything within the app, and there is a secret to it. Not a secret to the drawing. So actual truth is I, I love art and creativity, but I've never been a really good artist, and I kind of learned on Snapchat. It was kind of my motivator, if you will. And so um, give me a pen and paper, and you're not going to get much, but give me a phone with Snapchat installed, and, you know, I'll go to town. So it is something you can learn. But um, that being said, uh, for everyone listening when you're trying to find your own strategic ways of using Snapchat, you definitely need to keep it organic to the platform, which is use those drawings, like like Gary said, even though, what was the number he threw out, 96% of people don't think they can make this beautiful piece of art, you can take a picture of yourself and draw big cartoon eyes when you're excited. That's right. Or you can take and a picture of yourself. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you can, you know, draw like happy faces next to you when you're happy. You know, you should always be drawing on it. And the thing that really makes Snapchat fun is I never just sit down with a black palette and create a giant masterpiece. You have to be interacting with your background. See something that is normal everyday picture and how you could interact with 
that using a drawing. And that's what really gets people going with the creativity. It's, it's not so much the art, it's the creative way that I use the art to interact with my real person. That's what I would say. Now, is the video... Hey, so Morris, can I ask, yeah, go can ahead. ask a quick question? Go ahead, this is actually something I'm curious about. Sean, are people that are drawing right now, are they doing more and more on the iPad? Um, I, I think more and more people are. I personally like Android devices for drawing. Um, the screen is not a glass screen, so it feels a little bit smoother. But I'm okay yeah. to use my finger in an Android device. So Interesting. Uh, on the video side of things... There's no drawing on that, right? Yet? Is it just video? Or? Yes, you can make a video and you can draw on it, which is really fun. I've done quite a few skits where I will lip sync a song from a famous artist that everyone knows, and then I will draw myself to look like that artist. So I'll put the wig on and the dress and the lipstick, and then I will lip sync to that artist's song. And so there's a lot of fun, creative ways you can use video within the snaps and drawing. Do you find that you get more engagement on the photo side or on the video side, just out of curiosity? Because obviously it takes a little more time to consume a video than it does to consume a photo. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, right. Completely equal. Um, I think people enjoy both as long as they're done creatively. The one thing you definitely need to know about Snapchat is people are watching it from work, from school, from whatever they're doing, and they probably don't have volume on. I'd say 80% of the time, people are not listening right. to Snapchat with volume. Mm. So if you're trying to get across a point, there's a text bar that you can put over the picture. If you're doing a video explaining something and you want your passion to be in there, do the video and explain it passionately, but then use the text bar to subtitle, hey, everybody, I'm heading to the mountains. and Let them know what you're doing if they can't hear it. So if, is, as long as you do that, videos are effective. Is there a way to, um, uh, is there any kind of like click here or call to action kind of thing that's, you understand where I'm going with this or is it just a consumable piece right. of content? There is no link to actually take somewhere, but it's more effective than platforms that do have links because you are giving them a recommendation as a friend and I mean, you can see something really interesting with a link and maybe not click it. But if your best friend or someone you really like tells you that same information and tells you to go Google it, you'll probably go do it because you had a good recommendation from someone you trust, even though it's more work. In today's society, there are links to click everywhere. And it doesn't mean you're going to click them because it's easy. Well, so, yeah, and Instagram doesn't have links either. So, I mean, you know, I, I get it. Exactly. Um, Gary, what's your thoughts on how marketers should be working with um, people like Sean? You know, what, what's, what's the angle that we ought to be thinking about if we're a brand or a marketer? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think you commission to work with him and you get the hell out of his way once you tell him what <laughs> the essence of the goal that you have in mind is, right? He knows the audience way better. And if you're trying to reach 15 to 25-year-olds in America, I think he is probably undervalued. I have no idea what he charges these days, but he's probably undervalued for what he can deliver for you by integrating into his world your brand and I think you get out of the way and, and you have a good 30 minute conversation of like, hey Sean, these are the things that matter to us. This is what we want the kids to know. And then he'll literally look at you, I assume, and say, got it, and then go let him do his magic. And that doesn't work for a lot of people, but I believe in it tremendously. It, that's 100% correct. Yeah, just hopping in. <laughs> that's, I've, I've, had, I've had campaigns where they, they will tell me what they want the deliverables to be, what the needs to be and sometimes they'll let me go and I'll send them the snaps before I post them and say does it look good and they'll give me the thumbs up and we're set and other times they tell me what they want me to make 
and I, I advise that maybe something might be different. But if you, if you give me creative control, then it's going to be native to the platform. If you do what you would do on Facebook and Instagram and just want me to color it onto Snapchat, it's not going to translate. Do you think, Sean, that eventually this platform will um, provide sophisticated metrics or third-party tools or an open API so that um, you know marketers could essentially embrace it more? I mean, I know, Gary, you probably have some strong opinions on why they should not do this, but I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on Snapchat's you know, expanding to, to, to be a little bit more like some of the other networks as far as providing analytics and third-party apps and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Snapchat is actually very smart in the way they've grown. They are growing very slow and very sophisticated. They aren't giving too much at one time. They're keeping it very just personable and real. Once you start adding all these metrics and getting brands in there heavily, it's going to mess things up. So they're being very smart to not give too much information, not give there's no ability to like or worry about how many friends you have or am I following more people than are following me. All that stress is just taken out and people can enjoy the app. So I think the simpler, the better possible in the future. I don't know what their plans are, but um, for right now, they've kept it simple for two years. They're adding new features that make the platform more fun, like being able to video, being able to post something to your story instead of just straight to a person. But as far as the metrics of everything, I love the simplicity. Gary, do you know if they're um, if they're just privately funded right now? I mean, do you have any insight on on whether or not do they? Do, you know, I mean, like obviously for a site that's as big as this, or do they sell the app? Or I mean, I'm assuming the app is free, right? Yeah, the app's free. They've raised money at a ten billion dollar valuation, wow. Michael. They're huge. Facebook made a legitimate offer for three billion, you know, fifteen months ago. So this is a real company. Listen. Again, I'm loving this right now because I'm sitting here because I very much know your audience. I know Sean Doris and I do a lot with Grape Story of Influencers and I'm smiling. I wish this was a video cast. My, my, I'm like, my jaw hurts because I'm, I know exactly what's going through a lot of people's minds as they're listening to him talk and I'm saying, my God, a lot of this audience were the same people that were saying this about Twitter in 2007 and eight and nobody believed them. I want everybody to know, I'm putting a stake in the ground. I've been writing about Snapchat for two and a half years now. This is a platform that is going to really matter and I very much believe that 30, 40, and 50 year olds will be using Snapchat in 24 to 36 months. There'll be a lot of different dynamics. A lot of Sean Doris's stuff is right on point right now, but as it evolves, he'll evolve, the brands will evolve. We've all seen this with Facebook, Twitter, and other brands of that nature. I'm, I'm extremely bullish on the platform. I think Emily White, the COO, who's been at, let me just say this slowly for everybody, Google, then Facebook, then Instagram, before she's at Snapchat as a COO, I think she's extremely bright. Um, I think they've been very calculated. I think, I think they're gr- people are grossly underestimating this new discovery feature they have where people are consuming, vid- you know, consuming media through the Snapchat platform. Shandoris, have you started consuming any of the media, playing around with that at all? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really fascinating. The the things I like is the, the, all those different options of things you can consume. The thing I dislike is the little Snapchat ghost in the middle that was supposed to be Explore Snapchat. It is also videos from the internet and articles. I feel like that should have been very native I, to the platform. Casey nice that's going to Brazil. I'm drawing. Yeah. Gary, for people that know don't know what the heck you're talking about, why don't you elaborate a little bit? There's a new section they released a couple of weeks ago called Discover. If you swipe over a couple of times, you'll see there's literally media consumption. 
Uh, what, what Sean is talking about is there's a Snapchat ghost in the me- middle. Think of Snapchat as a media company and then surrounded by Vice and ESPN and Daily Mail. National Geographic. That's right, and literally you hold it down and you're reading articles and watching videos. Sean is properly saying that the middle ghost should have been discovery within Snapchat. Sean, I can tell you that I have insight that that's probably gonna be what it's going to be. They're testing right now. Uh, here, here's the bottom line, again, because I so respect who listens to this podcast and, I, and I've been in the space with all of you since 06 when this all started emerging uh, and got real. This is a very important platform it's very important that you figure out your cadence on how to story tell. A lot of you were too slow to Pinterest or too slow to Instagram, and I, I don't want you to have that case with Snapchat. I think we have all of this year for the people that want to be leading social media marketers to learn it. Um, you'll do a lot of bad stuff, but by following people like Sean Doris and just reading more articles and setting Google Alerts to Snapchat marketing, it's, it, you know, if, if you think I've done anything right or predicted anything right over the last nine years, I highly recommend you focus on this space. Awesome. Sean, tell us where people can find you off of Snapchat and on Snapchat. And then Gary, um, we'll ask the same of you. Right. Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, well, I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's awesome. I love talking with Gary and hearing from everything he has to say. Um, if they would like to find out more about myself, they could add me on Snapchat or on Instagram or Twitter or any of the social media platforms. I'm learning all of the platforms. I like them and I engage with my fans on there. But uh, Snapchat is definitely my area of expertise. And with any of those, they would just need to search my name, which is uh, Shondurus, S-H-O-N-D-U-R-A-S. It's uh, it's basically the country Honduras with an S in front because I lived <laughs> in the country of Honduras for a while. So I like it. And my name is Sean. So Sean came back from Honduras and all his friends said, hey, look, it's Sean Duras. And so it stuck. <laughs> awesome. It. Awesome. Gary, what about yeah. you? Um, um, you know, I've kept the Gary, you know, Twitter was the one that popped. It was the first time I ever used Gary VEE as a username. Go figure that it's the one that becomes the big one for me. So I'm Gary VEE on Snapchat. Uh, I'm doing a lot of business stuff there and enjoying that. Um, and, uh, and I'm Gary V on Twitter and facebook.com slash Gary on Facebook. That's a little bit more of a humble brag to just prove that I have that. Uh, and, uh, and that's my scoop, my man. All right, well, guys, thank you, guys, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us on Snapchat. Obviously, it's a big deal, and I appreciate both of you coming on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Wow, that was crazy. You know, I think Gary's on to something here, and so is Sean. Snapchat is something we really ought to keep in mind, if for nothing more than the people that are behind it and the crazy valuations and what is likely to come from the social network. Now, I know there was a lot that we talked about. If you missed any of it or you want to see examples of what Sean McBride does, visit our show notes, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 134. Also, never miss a future episode of this podcast. It's totally free. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. Also, if you've been a listener for a while and you haven't done so, would you please consider giving me a rating and review over on iTunes or on Stitcher? socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes, socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change 
your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.